0: The Paul Kuharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003. Welcome in to the Paul Kuharski Podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski. I always like to mention my name as many times as possible at the beginning. I appreciate you joining me. I've been hounding this guy for (laughs) weeks, if not months. I'm pleased to be joined by Neil O'Donnell to talk quarterback things. We're brought to you by Yazoo Brew. I imagine Neil has had... A few of those in his time in Nashville. I'm partial to the Hefeweizen. They're great sponsors of mine. Pick up a six-pack. Drink one next time you're at the bar. Neil, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Paul. Just waiting for some cooler temperatures here in Nashville. But uh, I apologize, but I was actually out of the country. I went to the British Open. You know, I still have a bucket list that I try to knock out every every year, a few of them, like things I want to do and, and where I want to go. And I'm – It just seems like uh, the British Open, to go there, and I'll tell you a quick story about it. Uh, How was it? I I loved it. And the reason why I hated the British Open, and you you can relate to this, uh, was because every time the British Open would come on, I knew my summer was over because training camp was the next week. Yeah. So as a player… 14 years in the NFL, every time I'd sit around and watch the British Open, I'd be like, oh, damn, I got to go to training camp next week. And I don't care what people say or what players you talk to, maybe besides the kickers no one likes training camp. No one likes going there. It's the night meetings that are brutal. I mean, when you know the system and you're in those meetings till 10 o'clock every night, that's what gets really stir crazy. And so I said this year with it being in Northern Ireland, I am going to go over there and I'm going to experience it all. And I was over there for nine days and we had a blast. And I saw Brandt Snedeker there. I, I took pictures with Shane Lowry at the Dublin in Dublin at the pub at 3 a.m. after he won it all, and nice. spent some time with him. And it was actually a spectacular week.
0: That's awesome. That's an awesome bucket list bucket list thing to keep too. When you know, uh, if you had done it during your career, you would have had that hanging over your head, knowing you were coming back to to go to hard work. So. Uh, yep. Smart call. Did you see the Titans this last weekend?
1: I did. Yes, I did watch them. I what did. And,
0: what did you think about Marcus? What was he asked to do? What was he not asked to do?
1: You, you know, I don't I, I don't look at like Marcus, you know, completely changed from what he was doing last year. I mean, I think as as – As you know, and I think most people will know, when you have a security blanket in some type of running game, that opens up the play action. And I thought that was the key, that they could run the football pretty effectively last week, and then that only helped the play action part of it all. I mean, you look at it, it was a close game until going really into the fourth quarter. So I tip my hat to the whole organization. I really do. I mean, I look at that. If you looked, if you told me a couple weeks ago, you know, what are you thinking about Cleveland? I probably would have been like, you know, eh, Cleveland kind of loaded up with a lot of big players, big names. You know, that, that uh, Baker Mayfield, he's kind of on cloud nine. He thinks he could throw the ball through the wall. Then I had the handful. But, you know, the Titans did a great job of showing up in the Cleveland and and actually squashing the whole belief of the city of Cleveland that that is a playoff team. And uh, I played there before. It's a hostile place. And you never want to play Cleveland early because there's still a lot of hope in that city and in the players' minds. When they start losing a lot of games, it's actually an easier place to go in there and win.
0: So if you're Arthur Smith now, uh, and you've kind of gotten a sample of what he's got weapon-wise – Uh, with one game, but you knew these guys coming in. How do you try to shape this offense to maximize Marcus Mariota uh, heading into his fifth year? It's not, not a kid anymore.
1: I I look at Marcus and you, you cannot, you cannot take away, but what makes him such a, uh, uh, as I say, a a difference maker in quarterback, he's not a pocket passer. He's not going to stand back there like Ben Roethlisberger. He's not going to stand back there like, uh tom brady and 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 hit the check down and and wait till the last minute then throw it into a small window. he's not going to do that he's a he is a run around move around guy, and that's what makes him and that's why he was drafted in the first round let's be honest i mean for the for the kid, he can run pretty good he's a four or five guy he could get on the edge pretty well. How do you protect Marcus? That's going to be the key. You do not want to take him away from his ability to move around because that's what makes a a difference in that offense. You need him to take off and run. You need him to get on the edge, as they call it, and maybe protect him better, like on the edge. Maybe bring two tight ends in, do a lot of keeper blocks, meaning where you secure the ends and let push the end down so at least a tight end will peel back. So if there is someone chasing Marcus on the edge, you could hopefully you know put a block on him but i don't I didn't see anything significantly different than what I saw last year i don't think I don't think in your fifth year, let's be honest, I don't think in your fifth year you could really go and revamp a whole quarterback and change his his drop back or change his throwing motion. I don't believe in that because. When you're in the heat of the battle and you've got to make decisions and someone's breathing down your neck, you go back to what comes comfortable to you, and that's your instincts. I mean, it's a game of read and reaction, the game of football. So I think Marcus looked like he was last year. I'm glad he had a win. I, 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 I believe in Marcus. I think you can win with Marcus. Now, is he worth $30 million? I'm glad I, I don't have to make that decision because as you look at his history, he is injury-prone.
0: Let's let's delve into that. He's in his fifth year. They go into his fifth year with the fifth-year option. He and Jameis Winston are the only two guys under this collective bargaining agreement who've ever gone into their fifth-year, under their fifth-year option as quarterbacks, without a long-term deal. Tells you both organizations don't have their minds made up on these guys who were drafted one and two in the same draft. It sounds like your mind's not made up on whether he's a long-range range answer at this point. Most of us, you know, you are either fall into one camp or not. Four years in, you know what he is, and, and you got to decide based on what he's in. I mean, what could happen at this point in time that sways you one way or the other? And is it all related to, to staying healthy?
1: I, I think it's staying healthy, and I think it's wins and losses. I mean, you have to take this team not only into the playoffs, but I think now we're expecting – especially with, uh, you know, Mike, I don't want to hear about the, the new offensive coordinator. Uh, well, Marcus can can learn a system. That's not his issue. He could learn any different system. And just because you bring in a new offensive coordinator, so many people read into too much of that. A slant's called a slant, maybe in a different terminology, but it, it's still a slant. Uh, a deep comeback's a deep comeback. It, it may be called a different terminology, but that's not, that's not the excuse is what I'm saying. Uh, I believe that with the, the receivers he has and with Delaney back, that that they should go pretty deep into the playoffs. First, make the playoffs, and then let's see what they do. And that's how you judge Marcus. Now, I looked at it like, I signed one of the biggest contracts. I think I signed the biggest contract when I, I left the Steelers. I signed five-year, $25 million. And now- No, it's worth a day. And now these guys are making that a year. So, is it is it Mike Rabel's guy? I, I mean, uh, Robinson, he didn't draft him. I mean, there's still a lot of question marks up there. But I think it, looking at Marcus right now, I think he, number one, has to stay healthy. He has to give us a lot more games than what he's been giving us each season. And I think, secondly, he has to take this team not only into the playoffs, but actually make a run to go to an AFC championship game.
0: And if he doesn't do those things... You'd feel relatively comfortable looking a different direction.
1: I, I think you. I think you have to. I mean, because uh, I mean, if you look right now, though, Paul. I mean, uh, who's the face of the franchise?
0: I mean, there really isn't a, a uh, face of the uh, uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, when I played, I mean, I think we had some faces of the franchise for the Titans, and I don't, I don't see. I don't see a a face and someone you could ride with there for the next 3 to 5 to 10 years marketing wise because you know there's something going on or something out there that someone's hesitant to lock Marcus up long-term because you don't think these conversations happen over the summer where maybe his it. agent is try- probably trying to pressure the Titans to say, hey, if we can't get a long-term deal by this date, then we're going play out this this year because they could probably get him for a little cheaper now than they would maybe at the season if he has a very good year.
0: Sure. and And the thing is, I mean, you're talking about something that's going to average $30 million a year, at least for the couple of years on the front, oh, before you get out of it, versus a rookie salary, which we know is yep. drastically cheaper. So the production, like you're talking about, has to be substantially more. You know, he's thrown three touchdowns already. So you'd think he's going to be well ahead of the 13 he threw two years ago or the 11. But if you're somewhere in that middle teen range, you know, I know it's hard to find a rookie quarterback, but when you're doing the cost benefit analysis you know that's uh a but i don't think depth. i don't
1: think paul right now i don't think this city this franchise can afford to have another rookie quarterback you know you're losing you're losing fan base as we speak i mean it's kind of it's kind of hard when you see that every preseason game or every, you know, the first opening game, they're still trying to sell season tickets, you know? So if if you go back and let's say Marcus doesn't sign a long-term deal and leaves, and our answer is to go draft another rookie quarterback, that's going to take years for him to believe that we could go maybe back to a Super Bowl. And I don't know if this city or this fan base is ready to go through a growing pains of another rookie quarterback. And Is, I, I think I think if you don't if you're gonna not go with Marcus, then you have to keep you know Tannehill there, and maybe go get another you know younger proven veteran who could who could maybe go one and two for the next two three four years, and, and try to win a, a Super Bowl that you way. You
0: think there's going to be another guy like that on the market? They're usually uh, even.
1: See, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I thought a real I thought, Well, yeah. I thought like maybe if, if uh, I like Joe Flacco, you know what I mean? I know Joe didn't play good, uh, but th- that's an answer where a guy has has a history of, of winning in the playoffs and taking a team and winning a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying go get Joe Flacco right now. I know he's with Denver, but I'm saying there will be guys like that around who, who like I, I always talk about my experience, like when I came here, You know, I I was already in the league and and played in Super Bowls and four AFC championship games. I was kind of like, man, I'm going to come to Nashville. I didn't even – I was going to retire. I was going to take a job in New York as a hedge fund manager and go work up there. And uh, when Jeff Fisher called me and told me to come to Tennessee, I was kind of like, oh, Jeff. And I played against Jeff for many years when he was the defensive coordinator for the Oilers. And when I was at the Steelers, I said, oh, Jeff, I'm kind of – kind of done with ball right now, and I'm kind of just going to move on and spend time with the family and get get my career going and the other, compete in another different way. And then when I looked at the whole roster and saw, you know, like the talent this team had, Steve McNair and Eddie George and Frank Wycheck and the good offensive line, and I I knew a lot of these guys from playing against them, I kind of said... You know I'll come down here and 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 back up Steve and maybe have a have a chance to maybe you know make another run to a super Bowl and that that's what that's what kind of drove me to try Nashville. Let's go give it a shot and I ended up actually playing another five more years down here and raising a family here, so it all worked out well for myself, but you know I never thought. Like I would be starting right away because Steve got injured. I really thought I would be here just a security blanket, just in case Steve got nicked. I'd be coming into play, and I think I think that one two punch at quarterback. If you have two proven veterans, you could win and go to a Super Bowl that way. Also,
0: we'll get back to Tannehill in a minute, who you mentioned. I had two more Marcus questions for you. Yep. Do Do you think it hurts him? It It's a a large media story, and I don't. I'm I'm not sold on him anymore by any means. Uh, and I don't think this has been a big issue. It's obviously been a big issue for me because I want him to say something and he doesn't say anything, but, yeah. but do you think that he's a non, not a verbal guy that he's so low key? Do you, how do you imagine that translates in, in the locker room and in the huddle? You
1: know, I, you know you can look at it different ways i mean i think you would really have to ask really inside the the locker room and the and your teammates and say you know they'll always give you the corporate answer is he, they all is, say
0: it's fine and that he Yeah yeah they
1: all say he's a he's a he's a great leader and stuff like that i mean uh i do believe that you do have to you know uh come out and say especially you know With with the way his last two seasons have been like, you know, like I want to stay here. I want my name I I think it's time for him to say this is my team and I'm not going anywhere You know what I mean? Like I, I I would like to hear that from him that I don't want to leave Nashville I want to stay here and end my career here I think that only brings more leadership and credibility to your name and and he's like you said He's going into his fifth year don't we all wish we had five years to kind of prove ourselves? I mean, that, the Hoover
0: Dam was built in five years, Neil.
1: I know. It's, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, I, I, maybe I played in a different era. I was judged by my last pass. And, yeah. and, you know, there was always a guy. If I didn't play good on Sunday, guess what? They were pulling me. We didn't have a long leash. I mean, it was kind of like one thing about playing for the Steelers, it, it, it's you expected to win every Sunday. You don't you don't rebuild there. You don't have rookie just because he's a rookie. You have a year to to let him groom or get used to the NFL. That doesn't happen in Pittsburgh. I mean, you're expected to win every Sunday, and I'm hoping that's what the Tennessee Titans mindset gets to. And I totally agree with you, Paul. I I, I do think that if he would come out and say something like more like I want to stay in Nashville. I want to raise my family in Nashville. This is my team. I, you know. That would only bring him more leadership, I think, to the to the city and to his teammates and everything. Uh, I don't. I'm not asking Marcus to change his DNA and be a you know the rah rah type of guy. I was never that. But when I wanted to get a point across, I, I think I had a pretty good, strong voice where I could get my point across.
0: You said you think too much is made about the change in offensive coordinators because at its core, everything is the same. So I yep. wonder after four years when we still see some of the footwork issues, some of the things – and look, he threw 10 incomplete passes. I don't want to nitpick. He got a lot of yards after the catch, but yep. he did what they asked him to do and they won the game by 30 points, right? Yep. But you still see some of the footwork issues that prompt him to maybe sail a ball to Corey Davis or, or to miss a guy. And it seems to me those footwork issues, the footwork uh, themes for a quarterback are also the same – from Terry Rubisky to Matt Lafleur to to Arthur Smith, I doubt they're asking him to do much different footwork wise from regime to regime to regime. When you see him fail to have the wide base or to overstride or to whatever it is that causes him to sail some of these passes, are those things he should have down by now?
1: I would I would say yes, and I would I would not more or less you know, uh, critique his footwork and all stuff like that. I I mean, like I like I said earlier, it's a game of read and reaction. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on by your legs and then and, and people turning the corner and trying to hit you. So there's a lot that happens so fast. I mean, I would I would more or less if I was coaching Marcus, I would more or less maybe focus a little more on pre snap reading. Maybe maybe looking at Uh, progressions, meaning getting to your second and third a little faster than maybe staying with one too long. And I think if you can do that, if you could speed that up, I used to work with Mac with that all the time. If you could speed up that, that process of one, two, three, and then do it under three seconds, then the ball's coming out a lot faster. And I'll never forget one of the best compliments I heard from one of my receivers was that when... 14s in the game, you knew where the ball was going to be. Because I could not run, Paul. I was not fast. That was not my game. I wasn't going to get on the edge and turn the corner. I wasn't going to do any of that. But I, I knew one thing that if that receiver was supposed to be 18 yards coming back to 16, when I hit that seven yard, that five step drop, that ball was going 16 yards. And if it didn't go there, and if it got picked or, or that guy wasn't there, I would make a point to tell my receiver, you know, you, you have to get there because I'm trusting you to get there. And I said, you know, I used to tell him, joking around, any ball thrown your way is a good ball. And I used to tell him that. I said, make me look good. You're a better athlete than I am. I'm going to get you the ball as fast as I can, and then you take that ball and make someone miss and go the distance. And and I, I believe that if Marcus could get in that rhythm, like uh, when I was in that rhythm, like you hear, like, you know, ten for ten starting the game, you start getting in that zone where you could complete every pass and and that's just pre snap read and progression and speeding up your thought process on where the ball should go.
0: The um I, I totally get what you're saying about speeding up that one, two, three. Greg Cosell from NFL Films, who I imagine you're familiar with. Yep. He he was on Midday 180 with us today. He said some of those throws that Marcus made were really one-read throws that Arthur Smith set up for him, maybe both the touchdowns of Delaney Walker, where all the stuff that happened set up that if, if all the pre-snap stuff and all the, the blocking and the play action and everything goes right, Delaney's going to slip out. He's going to be open right there. And it's a pitch and catch kind of play. And now I don't know if they're simplifying that to that degree because of what they think Marcus can and cannot do, or if they just find themselves a super easy play there. And obviously, if you find a super easy play, you're going to take it, right?
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. If you could get if you could get the one that quick, then definitely take one. I mean, but uh, then that defense isn't really trying to confuse you too much. So you know, uh, I, I would just I wouldn't get so caught up in in his. His uh, footwork and stuff like that, because you know you work on that in the off season, you really do. And 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 when when the game starts, it's such a, a high speed, fast contact game. You really can't like start worrying about footwork. You really can't. I mean, there's there's too much stuff going on. Is it, it 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 happens too fast in the three seconds. So it's uh that's what I would really focus on, Marcus. Like the balls that he missed. Like, why didn't you, why didn't you, when you, when you hit that fifth step, why wasn't the ball all the way already out? You know, like that, that's the stuff I would really focus pretty closely on.
0: You're listening to the Paul Kuharski podcast with my special guest, Neil O'Donnell. We're going to take a quick break here. We go to members only on the other side. We're brought to you by... Yazoo Brew, everybody's favorite beer in Nashville. You should be drinking it, especially the Hefeweiss. And on the other side here, I'm going to ask Neil about what he thinks about Ryan Tannehill as the best backup we've seen around here since Matt Hasselbeck. What the presence of Tannehill means for Mariota in terms of changing the dynamic of the room, in terms of giving the Titans a lot better chance if slash when Mariota gets hurt. And then we'll move on to reminisce about the guy that Neil backed up Steve McNair whose number gets retired at Nissan Stadium on Sunday stay with us we'll be right back the Paul Kaharski podcast is a joint production of paulkaharski.com and vocal for more information and more programming please visit VocalNow.com. that's v-o-k-a-l-now.com